Uh, well, this morning we're thinking about authentic relationships. But as we begin, I just want you to feel something of the tension between those two words. At least as far as lots of people in our culture understand it, to be authentic is to always be true to yourself. In our society, that's a virtue. Like the character uh, Letty Lutz sings in The Greatest Showman, look out because here I come, marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. On one level, particularly I guess as it's applied to how we look, that's fair enough, isn't it? But I think all of us recognize that if we apply that same view of authenticity to every part of our lives, that's actually destructive to real relationships. If we're always being true to ourselves, marching to the beat of our own drum, saying whatever we want, doing whatever we want, making no apologies, because, well, this is me. If we live like that, we'll actually find it very difficult to make real or lasting connections with other people. We recognize that kind of authenticity actually hinders relationships. One of those uh, good but hard things about getting married and living with someone else is that slow realization that I've had that if this is going to work... There are going to be times that I can't do what I want, that I am actually going to have to change. And I'm going to need to make plenty of apologies. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we take seriously what he said. And Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. See, Jesus says the most important you do, the thing you do with yourself is not express yourself or be true to yourself. It's actually to deny yourself. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you recognize that it's actually not the most important thing to, to be yourself. <laughs> there are much more important and better things to be doing, like loving and serving other people. But it, it does work the other way as well. We all know... Authenticity is necessary for real relationships. If we're not willing to be honest about who we are, unless we're willing to be authentic and to open up the real us to other people, it's very difficult to form relationships. If we're always hiding parts of our character or personality, not saying what we really think, wearing a mask, pretending to be someone we're not, that actually makes it very difficult for, to form connections. To experience real community, we have to be able to, to not feel like we have to hide who we are. We need space to be honest and authentic if we're going to connect with other people. And so the question is, how can we find a place where we are known and loved and accepted for who we are? A place where we can be authentic, but also where we're not constantly breaking relationships because we're always expressing ourselves. John's claim in verses 1 to 4, and it's a big one, 
is that the true message about Jesus, passed on to us by the people who knew him and heard him and saw him, always creates fellowship. A deep connection, a profound communion between people. Communion with God, absolutely. But I want you to see in verses 1 to 4, John says it's more than that. More than only communion with God, it's a a quality of relationship between people that reflects and echoes the quality of relationship that God himself enjoys, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you see, Jesus' offer to everyone, even to you this morning, is eternal life. To be welcomed into the loving fellowship of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. That's offered to every single person, regardless of who they are, what they've done, where they're from. You're invited to have that relationship that Jesus himself has with God the Father. But that relationship, it not only creates fellowship between us and God, it also creates fellowship between us and the other people who trust Jesus. A fellowship with others, that means you can be honest. That means you don't have to hide who you really are. So how do we do that? Well, here's the big thing that John tells us. We have to walk in the light. We have to walk in the light. Verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. That's the gospel in 11 words. And the heart of the gospel, do you see, it's not about us, it's about God. Jesus did not come to tell us how wonderful we are, but how beautiful God is. He is light, radiant, glorious, pure light. In him there is no darkness at all. What John is saying is that God has this moral quality of of beauty. You see that in verse 6. John connects light with truth and darkness with lies. And so what John's telling us is God is not the kind of person who says one thing but does something else. There is no darkness in God whatsoever, not even one particle. He always and forever will be perfectly good and truthful. What that means is that there's nothing in God that you need to be worried about. No aspect of his character that you need to be concerned about. There's nothing in God that needs filtering through Instagram. There is no side of him that he is keeping hidden or secret from us. There are no skeletons in his closet or his tomb. It's hard for us to get our heads around that, isn't it? We don't know anyone else like that. We've all had experiences of being hurt by people who turned out to be different from what they seemed to be. We can barely imagine what it would be like to meet someone who had absolutely nothing to hide. But that's what Jesus shows us of what God is like. 
Jesus made that pure, radiant beauty of God bright and clear so that we could see it, particularly through his death on the cross for us. Isn't that good news? It means that God is the one person in this whole universe that you can trust with zero reservation. Every other beauty that we see, every other light, has some trace of darkness that will let us down in the end. But not God. We can trust him completely because he will never, ever betray us. But that light, it's also kind of sobering, isn't it? Maybe even dangerous. Because if you come near to God in his radiant, pure light... Our lives get exposed in his light. See, light always shows up what otherwise remains hidden. All kinds of things hide under the cover of darkness. That's why we like street lights. But in the radiant light of God's purity, there is nowhere to hide. When we come before God, when I come to God in his light, all of my pretenses for wanting to be a decent bloke, a good person, they get exposed. All the darkness in my heart is revealed. My sin is seen for what it really is. That's why John says in his gospel, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds are evil. Isn't that true of us? We've all done things we know are wrong. Probably even today. And yet, there's that human impulse deep within every single one of us to hide. In the shadows, away from the light. Because we fear being exposed. But this morning, Jesus Christ invites you to walk in the light. To walk with him where he is in the light. But it's worth asking, is it, what does that actually mean? What does it mean for us to walk in the light? Well, have a, have a look at verse 6 and 7. I want you to see that walking in the light does not and cannot mean sinlessness. That's obvious in verse 7 because the light is the place where we get purification for sin, right? So the light is a place where sinners are. And it's clear as well just in the structure of the whole passage. You might have better see the words. That's okay. You can see the structure. The way John writes... He kind of writes in circles, a bit like a spiral staircase. He goes round, you feel like that reading John. He makes the same point again and again, over and over, going round and round. And so that's how it works in this passage. Verses 6 and 8 and 10 are parallel. They're basically saying the same thing, that to walk in darkness is to falsely claim that we don't have any sin. But then it means that verse 7 and verse 9 are parallel as well, which concludes in verses 1 and 2. To walk in the light, then, is not sinlessness, but honesty. Honesty. Honesty with the Lord, 
and with one another about our sin. It's doing, verse 9, continually confessing to the Lord and to each other so that we are finally free to grow. Part of the problem we, we have when it comes to this is that we so often give the impression that to be a Christian is to be sinless. But nobody except Jesus is sinless. And so it produces this situation where we, we feel like we have to pretend that we are. Even though we're not, we feel like we have to pretend that we are. We, we wear this mask that, that sort of says to other people, I, I, I'm sordid with sin. I don't, I don't have any struggles anymore. You know, now I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm all good, thanks. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But so often, us Christians, we act as if we've taken our course of antibiotics from Dr. Jesus and now restored to full health, we've got no need for the doctor anymore. It's a lie. It's an act. But it produces a culture where we fake it till we make it, where we keep up appearances. We work hard, really hard sometimes, to try and give that impression to other people that there's nothing to see here. My life is sordid. Thank you very much. But do you see, to live like that is to live in the shadows. In the darkness away from the truthful light of God. See, you can cut yourself off from God in two ways. You can just simply refuse to receive Jesus as your savior. But the, the second way you can cut yourself off from the love and life of God is to acknowledge that Jesus is a savior, but deny real time today your actual need for that same savior. That kind of Christianity is a deadly lie. And the only person you're deceiving is yourself. None of us are good enough at acting to fool other people for long, let alone God. But the opposite of this kind of shady Christianity is not trying harder Christianity, but confessing Christianity. It's not that we have to get our act together before we can walk with God in the light. It's con to confess to God that we're struggling to get our act together is to walk in the light. Brothers and sisters, let's be a church where it's easy to confess sin because otherwise it just goes underground back into the darkness. Now let me say by confession... I do not mean this, where you go to a little cupboard to talk to a priest and then you do what you like afterwards. To confess our sins is to admit who I really am in the light of God's purity, the real me, in the light of who God is, in the context of Christian fellowship. It's where we stop pretending where we get real with the Lord and with each other, where we don't make it look like we're better than we are, where we come out of the shadows into the light of honesty. 
To confess your sin is to take responsibility, to own it for what it really is. It's when we stop making excuses. That's real authenticity. See, we only truly confess our sins when we stop saying to Jesus, but Lord, look what they did to me. But Lord, this is who I am. But Lord, that part of my life is off limits. See, to say any of those things is shady Christianity. None of this is excusing sin or taking it lightly. In fact, this is the only way to kill your sin, really. Like, um, like moss in your garden, sin grows in the dark. And the only way to break its power is to bring it into the light. You kill your sin by bringing it into the light and then confessing it to death. Beloved, there are only two possibilities for us to live. You can deny sin or you can confess sin. You can walk in the darkness or walk in the light. You can live a lie or you can live out the truth. But listen, if you want to enjoy fellowship with God, where he is in the light, you cannot hide in the dark. You can either know God and be exposed for who you really are, sin and all. Or you can try and hide in the darkness, away from God. I guess for most of us, we feel in our hearts tension about that, don't we? There's, there's one part of us that wants to be known. We want to be in the light. We want to be honest with God and with each other. But we fear being exposed. And so there's that other part of us that would rather hide in the darkness. But Jesus assures us We can walk in the light where it is all seen, where it is all exposed, but all covered by Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Still, it's easier said than done, isn't it? We all have our insecurities, our fears about what other people think of us that keeps us from being honest with each other. That's why I'm encouraged John tells us to walk, not to run. He knows that we're not going to be good at this. I know I'm not. But it's active still, isn't it? We can't be passive in this. We still have to get up and walk in the light. One awkward, honest step at a time. And John wants to encourage and motivate us to do that this morning. Uh, In verse 7, he shows us two things that we will experience if we walk in the light. Two things we'll find. Community and cleansing. These will be uh, briefer. So here's the first one. Well, firstly, we'll find community, find fellowship in the light. I I think reading verse 7, it can sometimes feel like this idea of fellowship with one another parachutes out of nowhere. I think if if we read verse 7, most of us expect it to say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. But please look at it. It does not say that. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Isn't that so striking? 
But you see, John knows something that we, in our Western individualism, we so often miss. There is no such thing as private Christianity. Christianity is personal, absolutely, but it is not private. There is no such thing as Christianity without the community of the church. God himself exists in community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so real Christianity always involves community with brothers and sisters. Beloved, we are not here this morning for a private experience with God. We're here together because something collective, corporate happens when we meet as a body of Christ. Look, I'm so glad that we have the live stream and welcome to those of you watching. I'm so grateful to those who run it every week so that people who can't be here in person can in some measure join in. But we all know it's a poor second, isn't it? Those of you at home, this is a poor second. Because real Christianity always involves not just fellowship with the Father and with his Son, but with others. And John says the only way that we can find that genuine fellowship, the only way we can have authentic relationships, is by walking in the light. Uh, I heard Ray Orland once say, walking in the light is the wardrobe into the Narnia of real community. And so verse 7, it's a kind of vision for what church is meant to be. True fellowship, deep community, real connection, authentic relationships. But it's hard to have relationships with people who want to hide. You can't have connection with people who only ever give you the filtered version of themselves. Real fellowship does not happen in the shadows. Authentic relationships are only possible if we're actually willing to be honest about our sin. When we're willing to, to drop the pretense, take off the mask, become vulnerable, get real where we let our guard down in appropriate ways. C.S. Lewis once said, friendship is born the moment one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. See, when the walls come down, we come together at a deeper level. We stop playing at church and we find true fellowship in our mutual need for a saviour, because we all know we need Jesus. What this means is that to walk in the light, we not only confess our sins to God, but also to one another. Not to everyone, but certainly to someone or to some people. That the true test, in fact, of your honesty with God is your honesty with someone else. We so quickly skip over this because it's so foreign to us. But James is really clear about this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So let me ask you this morning, who knows what's going on inside of you? Who knows 
the sin that you really struggle with, to whom do you confess your sins? Because God does not want us to go it alone. And, and let me just give us one practical thing that I think will help us to do this. It is not our job to fix each other. Jesus will do that. He's much better at it than we are. So when, when someone shares something with you, when they let their guard down enough to, to confess some sin or struggle, they are not looking for your advice or your answers. If they do, they will ask for it. What we need is someone just to stand with us in our sin and our failure and our insecurity. So please resist that urge to give advice for how your friend could have avoided that sin in the first place or could do better next time. Please do not say, hmm, have you tried this? No. Instead, try this. Thanks for telling me. Let's go to Jesus. He can help. That's what our gospel communities are for. A place for being able to do that. To pray for one another so that we can be healed. That's what the time after church as we have tea and coffee is for. So that we can have these kinds of conversations. So that you can say to someone, hey can I share something with you that we can pray for? We can pray about? Beloved, let's walk in the light together. Find fellowship there. That's community. The second thing is cleansing. Find forgiveness in the blood. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And do you see, that's what makes all of this possible. The blood of Jesus is the only foundation for true fellowship. It's only the cross of Christ that opens up the way to real, honest relationships with the Lord and one another. No, no other community can do relationship like, like this. Because we know whatever there is that needs to be confessed, and there is a lot... It is all completely covered by the blood of Jesus. In the light of God, there is full exposure, but there is also full acceptance. You see that little word there, verse 7, all. It means there is nothing he cannot cleanse, nothing he cannot forgive. And so there is no limit to our honesty and no ceiling to our friendship. It's only when that grace of Jesus flows into us, freely forgiving all our sin, that deep security, I will be forgiven. It's only when that flows in that honesty can flow out. We will only exhale confession and honesty if we inhale grace. But knowing that we will be met with forgiveness frees us to do that. And, and we do need to. John is really clear in verse 9. If we confess our sins... 
This is conditional, not not sinning, but confessing. It's only confession that leads to cleansing. If you refuse to admit your sin to God and to other people, do not be surprised if you have little experience of genuine community or felt forgiveness. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that incredible? We can come to the God who is light in whom there is no darkness at all and he will not humiliate you. He will not condemn you. He will forgive you. He will purify you. He will even start to change you. No doubt about it. No question. If you step out into the light of honesty before the Lord, there will be cleansing. There will be forgiveness. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, in your place, because of the blood of Jesus, his son, God would be unjust not to forgive you and God is not unjust listen you are not better at sinning that Jesus is at saving you're not that good Jesus is not intimidated even by your very worst sin in fact that's the place where Jesus loves you the most tenderly His blood is the most reliable thing on earth. Why would you withhold anything from a saviour like that? Well, I guess one of the things that stops us from being honest with each other is that we fear the judgment that will come if we're honest with someone else. Isn't that why? I trust by God's grace that we're becoming the kind of community that does not do that. But I can't guarantee that. But what I can guarantee is that if you confess your sins in the eyes of the only person whose opinion matters, Jesus Christ, you are clean. And nothing anyone else ever thinks can change that. So our honesty doesn't need to depend on how someone else will respond to us, but on how Jesus will respond. And he will forgive. So, beloved, let's, let's walk in the light. But here's the thing. Letting his light shine into the dark interior of our hearts will not be comfortable. It's much better than that, though. It's cleansing. Walking in the light is the place where real fellowship can be formed between us. Walking in the light is the place where authentic relationships become a reality. It's the place where the cleansing blood of Jesus flows to forgive us. The place where the Spirit makes that a felt reality for us. Let's walk there. One awkward, honest step at a time. I'm going to pray and then uh, Dave is going to come up and lead us in a confession together before we share the Lord's Supper. Let's pray.
If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Father, we know this is easier said than done. Please help us to walk in the light with you and with one another, that we might find real community and real cleansing for our sin. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.